Welcome back to the Decibel Wines Podcast. Um, as always, sponsored by Decibel Wines. <laughs> like to get my folks in here to pitch it for me. I, today I got uh, Matt Fox in with me down from, well, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, the live store should be up and running. I think when I posted my last interview with Bryce Edmonds, I said it would be up and running. Uh, it's sort of up and running right now. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, should be up and going. Lots of specials up there, so please check it out. Support the cause and drink some great New Zealand wines. And uh, yeah, today we're here with uh, Matthew Fox. Down. Now, this is the first question I have for Matt Fox: Gisborne or Gisborne? Gisborne. Gisborne's sweet. No Gis- one. Re- no one really says Gisborne. Because I, yeah, I've heard Kiwis even say Gisborne or yeah. Gisborne or something. Yeah, it depends Just, on where you're from. Gizzy. Gizzy, okay, that's even Old faithful Gizzy. Mm -hmm. We've got some nice strong Italian coffee to get us going here on a Sunday morning before we uh, probably get into some wines and stuff. Um, Yeah, so you're just down for the weekend in Hawke's Bay and we finally could catch up. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, just been down for a catch up with some blokes and that's been good. Good to finally get out here and actually see you. Yeah, so you've been trying to get down to... uh, the new guard which uh we talked to bryce last time and there's actually a bit of you know what sort of industry media that's starting to get curious about what we have going on with some of our youngish winemakers or at least the sort of next generation of winemakers that we're trying to push the edge and uh create something different going on uh and we did it because there wasn't this sort of natural community here in Hawke's Bay. And, and my whole thought behind it was, is if you want to create a scene, you have to actually consciously yeah. create the scene and do something. So, uh, you know, I think a bunch of us all got together because we we're a little frustrated with nothing going on, basically. Yep. And uh, we keep joking around that, man, if you think nothing's going on in Hawke's Bay, yeah. man, you got to oh. come up to Gizzy. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, there's. It's a little frustrating, like that we don't have the, the even the young culture that you guys have got here. Mm. Um, and just you know, to even say that. <laughs> yeah, even yeah, even though that you say that you're you're struggling, you know, for to get everyone together here, like it's. Well, we're not struggling to get them together. We're just there wasn't that thing to. I think everybody's hungry to get together and very. Um, willing to hang out and do things and try things and there's a a little there's a nice excitement about it all but um you know we uh there wasn't anything in place before there's not really i don't want to say that the the you know the the joke was you know the sort of old guard um i don't want to say that they don't care or that's a closed shop or anything like that it's just they don't really have time and why would they and they're they're they sort of overshadow everything a little. Yeah, and, and um, there's a little bit of a mix, and uh, you know, you're a perfect example of a guy. Even though you're from a different region, uh, you did go to school down here, and that's how I met you. Uh, a bunch of us did go to EIT uh, or Lincoln or some of the schools around here. I think the biggest difference, which I'll try to communicate, as people uh, ask, they seem to keep asking about, well, what is it? What you do is. Um, and Bryce and I talked about this last week was we all decided to be winemakers or growers or, and, and to do the job itself, as opposed to we have a million dollars and we want to buy a vineyard and we're going to figure out how to do it. Or we, um, 
you know, used to be a farmer and all of a sudden planted some vines and now we kind of got thrown into it. It's, yeah. By choice, we've worked for other people this whole time. We've, you know, become winemakers uh, or again, there's a couple growers. Um, but we kind of come at it from that point with, a, I would say, a different sort of passion for it. Yeah, and I think it's 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 been needing to happen for a long time. I think there's a lot of people out here that, you know, like you say, got a ton of passion and it needs to be showcased. It's yeah, got to get it out there. Yeah, and probably throughout New Zealand as well. I mean, I, I know guys down in Martinborough. Um, this guy I call the Justin Bieber of Pinot Noir. His name's Chris Reed. Uh, you know, there's guys like that who just came at it. They didn't come at it with a lot of money or anything like that. And they said, I'm going to plant a little vineyard with the family and I'm going to study and I'm going to work for other people. And I, that's a big difference because we've seen, uh, I've joked around with people that, you know, they've had these like, sort of uh boutique winemaker groups yeah and they're all just kind of like off in their own corner because they got their family and they're running their business and they're almost too it's a different sort of you know we're competitive with each other yeah. but it's a di- it's on a weird different level from what uh that is and even to say for the larger wineries what it is as well you know where they're kind of big businesses and everything and they have to do these big collaborative marketing efforts and all that where we're just like encouraging each other yeah. just to get anything going on, yeah. you know? Get a good vibe going. Mm. So uh, what is the vibe in Gizzy these days? What's going on up there? Um, a little bit static at the moment. Um, there's a few people planning some new things. Um, I guess we're quite lucky having River Sun there. Mm. Um, there. There's a lot of guys putting in new other white varieties. So River Sun, for people who don't know, is a... One of the, probably the most well-known nursery yeah, in New Zealand. Well, the biggest, the biggest, and they've done a lot with traceability and yep. trying to find, you know, make sure they're not giving you virus vines and things like that. Doing a lot of importation of new clones, new varieties, and um, yeah, they seem to they suit our climate really well. So um, what's it, Jeff, Elf, Jeff Kelly? Is that it? Uh, yeah. Jeff uh, Thorpe. Jeff Thorpe. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but yeah, Alberino seems to be going really well. That's an interesting one, yeah. Um, some of the new clones are Shannon, 880 Shannon. Can't bit. get enough Shannon. People want it, oh, man. I know. I, I want to make some. I really want to make some. That's great. Guillaume's yeah. making a bit. We were talking about that earlier. Um, yeah, so Gizzy, I guess, was a bit of a boom in 10 years ago. It yeah. It was kind of kicking because well, Kim Crawford was getting a lot of fruit from there. Yep. And... Um, all the big boys were, they sourced a lot of fruit. Um, it wasn't until... Um, when Montana sold to Allied de Mec and then Pinera Card, it sort of went through that, that motion um, that they just started stripping things out of the company and, and Gizzy was sort of first on the chopping block. And mm. once once um, once they pulled out, all the big boys pulled out um, and sort of really depressed the industry. Um, so what happened to all the fruit? Like where they just kind of have to try to sell it off and... Vines got put to sleep, or or vineyards got ripped out. Um, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, people were sort of struggling to to make cost um, based on what the what the companies were were offering money wise. But um, hey, we're moving forward now, onwards yeah. and upwards. So we're we're getting there. Just sort of working through a tough patch at the moment, but hopefully, bright things for Gizzy. Yeah, that and the sort of financial crash didn't really help. Yeah, which is. I don't know. For me, uh, I picked a perfect time to come to New Zealand. Yeah. Pretty much the year after I got here, uh, it all changed. But uh, that's okay. I mean, like you said, you know, you kind of rip 
rip through, push through, see what you can do. And it, um, if anything, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Most definitely. That's, that's the, the one exciting thing I think that the region's really got going for mm-hmm. it at the moment. Um, it's a beautiful area. Yeah. And would you, so for people who are trying to get a handle on it, whether they know much about Hawks Bay anyway, it's pretty similar climate, maybe a little bit warmer and a little bit uh, wetter. Yeah. 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 Um, so only a, a smidgen warmer. Um, it probably wouldn't in most places get it as hot as say the gravels just because um you're just so far inland here it's a little bit more continental maybe yeah um but yeah a little bit warmer at at times sometimes um and a little bit more rain which can wreak havoc Mm. right around harvest unfortunately but Mm. uh beautiful (laughs) uh like beautiful climate most of the year round yeah nice beaches surfing yeah and that's big uh country up in and sort of north yeah up the up the up the coast yeah Yeah. that's like old school yep yeah it's uh, is that like where boy was filmed yep kind of feels like that area some pretty some pretty staunch yeah moldies up there yeah it's pretty it's kind of cool it's kind of neat to know you got that you know they got our backs yeah (laughs) Yeah. you know what i mean it's like saying you're from the bronx or something you know that's good and uh so last time i went up we passed through last summer and damn dude you had a lot going on lots of vineyards and family stuff and yeah it was, equipment and whatnot. yeah yeah so, we're still pretty flat out um still got probably too many projects going on yeah on at the moment and try and sort of um push some of those aside so we can concentrate on the more important ones but yeah managing the vineyard at home family what, vineyard uh, how many hectares is that uh 100 hectares that's a good amount um what's planted <laughs> Uh, Pinot Gris, Chardonnay, Merlot, and Chenin Blanc. Pinot Gris, Chardonnay, and what proportion, sort of? Uh, 50 hectares of Pinot Gris. Um, what is it, about 27 in Chardonnay, a hectare and a half of Chenin, the rest in Merlot. hectare and a half of Chenin. So where's that Chenin go? Uh, Metaferro. Ah, yeah. okay, yeah, because they make some nice shows yeah. too, yeah. Hmm, so you want to get your hands on some of that at some point? I'd or? love to, I'd love to, I lo- yeah, I'm a big, big Shannon fan, Yeah. between yeah. that that and Viognier, but I think Shannon's got a, a pretty good future. Yeah, well, I think it's as a, just a, you know, I don't want to take any flashiness away from it, but just as a table wine, it's got a lot more... It's a lot more approachable to your average drinker than Viognier, yeah. which Viognier yeah. can be quite intimidating and only really good with certain dishes. And yeah. It's kind of a geek wine, I think, Viognier. Yeah, it's it's sort of like that, um, along that sort of Riesling line, I guess, as well. Like, mm. only the, it seems only wine writers and winemakers seem to be drinking this stuff. But. Well, that being said, uh, you got a lot of Pinot Gris going, and I think that continues to build and you know as much as almost like winemakers and growers are like well it's pretty easy to grow i don't know how much i like it and um but the public seems to like it that's for sure oh they love it and uh the and now i just read in like wine spectator somebody you know pretty influential that said you know what keep an eye on new zealand pinot gris it's the you know the 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 giant sleeping or something like that you know the one right around the corner that yep. could could make a huge impact 
Well, I hope it does. Like, it's been the next big white variety for, like, over a decade now, yeah. and it's, like, only just sort of gaining a bit of traction. Yeah, I, it was weird because when I was in Philly, you know, this is going back to the early 2000s, so, you know, and, and I was doing the wine program at my family's place. I remember, you know, salespeople coming in, and there was this, like, kind of Pinot Gris. It was like a flash in a pan. I mean, yep. it was literally, like, less than a year and I had, you know, half a dozen different distributors coming at me with Pinot Gris. And I think we had it on by the glass for a little while. And then just it just seemed to disappear. And, I mean, we weren't trendsetters there or anything. We were just, you know, I was picking out wines that I liked and wines yep. that were coming my way. So it wasn't like I was seeking out anything particular. Yeah. I was really just trying to build my palate and pick out at least a few things to challenge the, the, the people drinking there. Um but I don't, it was a weird one. And, and I think the states are a really good sort of test market for a lot because, you know, we will do mass consumption, but particularly on the coasts, we push the envelope with what we want to drink. You know, they're, uh, they'll drink interesting stuff. They, you kind Not of see just the, the standards. Yeah, you'll see the trends being set, you know. And that's kind of where that Riesling thing yeah. we were talking about. You know, the summer Riesling thing was all started by a, a Psalm in New York. And, uh, yeah, I mean, California, San Francisco, Los Angeles, they always are pushing the edge for good wines and, and uh, wine sales. So uh, I think the biggest issue with New Zealand Pinot Gris is that, unlike Sauvignon Blanc, there's not an identifiable style. And that's what sort of like it really made it struggle the last couple of years. It's just sort of floundered around between Gris or Grigio. And mm. I guess where it's hitting at the moment... Um, for, for supermarkets you know that just off dry like yeah a couple of grams of sugar and yeah just to fill it out a little more seems to be the the, the popular way to go at the moment um rather than that really austere style but yeah there's there might be a happy medium in there somewhere but i like the austere with yeah you know with uh i don't mind if it has some residual in it but i like it to be it's got to be balanced yeah yeah I don't, because sometimes when it does, it just, Pinot Gris can just be blah, yeah. you know, just can be like, oh yeah, it tastes like white wine with yeah, a little sweetness flabby, to yeah. it. <laughs> um, I remember Unison made, we, you know, we've made some great ones there in the past, uh, Jenny crafted that were, you know, had this roundness and hit you in the cheeks with, you know, there must've been some residual there. You're thinking in the back of your head, but then it was just cut, Yep. you know, felt bone dry at the same time. Sort of I comes think, across as like fruit sweetness yeah, rather than like just exactly, a, and I think that's the that's my favorite style. Um, that's just tough to get people that to latch to onto because on yeah. it's a bit more complex. Yep. But that's the way to go, man. That's the good stuff. But who knows? Sometimes it comes down to whether or not you know people in New York or people in London or people in Auckland want to say Pinot Gris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's where I think going back to Shannon, it's, it's got a little bit of a future there where at least it's pronounceable compared to Viognier. Yeah. You Viognier know, Vot Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm making a bit and I'm proceeding very cautiously and yeah. that I just, I like it and I'm, you know, I might make a hundred cases if that. And, uh, yeah. Because, but then, you know, there's some people, it's a good way to separate your brand from yeah. somebody else if you can find a, a market for it. But, uh, very much a hand sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do enough of that already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, but Gizzy's known for Chardonnay mostly. Yep, Chardonnay, um, red wise, probably Merlot. Yeah. Tiny amounts of Melbeck. Some really good Melbeck in there too. Yeah. Um, there's maybe a tiny vineyard that I know of that's got Cab Franc and Cab Sav. Yeah. Not really. But it's not not. Not commercially grown. We went around and tasted a few places, and I kind of heard the same thing from two people that you know the Reds were. I guess it wasn't dry enough or something. Or I don't know what it, there's the way they compared it to Hawks Bay. Why it isn't there? Oh, the soils. It was soil. It was I, it's soils, and part of it's um, consumer perception, I think, as well. Yeah. People for some reason just believe that you know we, you can't grow reds and gizzy, but mm. it's hot enough. I mean, oh yeah. But I guess it would be. I mean, we get hot enough here, but we also have the best red growing areas are pretty free draining soils. Yeah. So give a gravels and the, the bridge pot triangle with the sort of sandy soils yeah. here and, and, uh, and then out in the Hadlock Hills and stuff, but, or hillside Syrahs and things like that. But I see, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's, it's probably just a matter of finding the right site. Well, that, I was just about to say that it's all about finding the right place and yeah. And Gizzy's big farm country anyway. It's, yeah. And well, and that's I think that's part of the problem with the region is um, it's a lot uh, older guys, more of a farmer style mentality as opposed to a wine grower. Mm. You know, it's it's just a bit of diversity for the business. Yeah, um, as yeah, sort of I'll the, put some vines over there. Yeah, 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 and that's that's what um, is a little bit frustrating at times. Yeah, you know, you're trying to um, drag the chain just to lift the quality and the perception of the region and there's just so uh i know probably a few people you say here but if you give a shout out to uh some of the your gizzy peeps yeah. who, who who are the leaders up there uh and then also who are some of the you know if there is any other young guys like you kind of you know pushing the edges there trying to trying to do something you know? yeah well there's the there's the old faithful and he's a absolute guru of James Milton, Milton, yeah. Milton Vineyard is exceptional. Yeah, they, I love they, what they do. As far as the region goes, he's got to be one of the best things going. And oh yeah, has been for thirty years. Yeah, you know, most definitely. Internationally too, you know. Uh, Spade Oak, um, Steve Voisey's the winemaker there. He's um, been the winemaker. Spade, I don't even know that. Spade Oak. Spade, Spade Oak. Sp- oh, Spade Oak. Yep. Sorry, um, Mike. Yeah, sorry, Mike. <laughs> um, yeah, he's been the winemaker at um, Montana for like the last 30 years or something. He's mm-hmm. a sparkling guru as well. Um, makes amazing Syrah, really good Chardonnay. Oh, cool. Uh, Vinoptima. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Can't, you can't leave out Vinoptima. That's That's a, a, that is like a... A dream that place oh yeah so uh well, well explain I'm, to people what been up do you, you, you yeah know, so you know. it's, uh nick nobolo um once they sort of got out of their their big family business went out on his own and he's got a huge passion for gewurztraminer and basically custom made vineyard and winery um it's crazy oh everything they do is over the top but it's so awesome yeah uh, it like shows in their wine every tank is like designed for a certain part of the vineyard and he can see every tank from yeah. the lab and yeah it's just the it was like basically if you gave a winemaker it's a winemaker's wet dream yeah yeah, yeah. If you, you gave him everything you wanted and you said okay how do you want to design it but then also we're just going to do one of the craziest varietals yeah. out there and and 
you know, design how you make it and the whole thing is gorgeous, man. Oh, the first time I went out there and had a look at the winery and walked in there, the cellar manager's like, whoa, 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 take your shoes off. And I, I was like, I thought he was taking the piss to start with, and he's like, no, seriously, we just finished cleaning the floor. Can you take your shoes off? So, okay, no yeah. problem. No, it's uh, it's pretty legit, that place. Yeah, but we're, we're, there's a few other brands that we're lucky to have, like um, Metaferro. Yeah, they're cool. Um, one of the one of the older. Um, well, they kind of went away and came back, or yeah. So th- they got bought by the um, Seal family. That sort of they bought it back from um, Dennis Irwin, was the yeah. the um, original winemaker there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Dennis himself, still alive and kicking, mm-hmm. just up the road from us and Seven Four Seven Estate. Still doing two. Is that a clone or something? Uh, it's his uh, address. Yeah, rapid address. Yeah. Okay. Um, and does some pretty crazy stuff up there, like Marsan and. Oh, good. Marsan, Roussan, uh, Viognier. Nice. It's actually got a little bit of Cab Franc and stuff oh, like that. I'll have to try some of that. I don't know if I've had much Marsan or Roussan from, uh, <laughs> from New Zealand or anywhere. Any, yeah. Well, anywhere outside of France, really. <laughs> California, there's a few people doing it there. Great variety, awesome stuff out of the Northern Rhone. If you mm. can get some your hands yeah. on some of that, well, I guess it would suit this area. If yeah, you're talking about Northern Rhone, it would suit yeah. Hawks Bay. Um, but we got enough going on here. Oh, there's like a fruit bowl of varieties up here. Yeah, it's any cellar door you walk into. There's, you know, even some of the established wineries still have. I mean, you look at Church Road. Does that Marzamino? Marzamino, yeah. yeah. You know, there's there's. You know, stuff like, isn't there some Tanets out there somewhere? I don't know who's got Tanet, does it? Or maybe is it like Askern or somebody like that does it? I can't remember who does it. Uh, I can't remember the name of the winery, but it's the one on the way up to um, the Gentle Annie, up on the right-hand side. The Gentle Annie? Yeah. What's that? Is that the, a pub? <laughs> no, uh, it's like a sort of a range, hill range, oh, okay. going on the way to um, uh, Mount Ruapehu. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I don't know does it i have to think of that one. yeah well i'll come to you yeah you know. we'll um, put it in the postscript yeah, podcast. Yeah. but yeah um yeah there's there's so many new varieties out there at the moment it's crazy yeah it's kind of weird because hawks bay you know syrah is obviously one that everybody's hopped on doing we have to be cautious because we've got a lot more merlot planted here yeah. and and cab sav and uh aperitif i love working with cab franc we'll go taste some of that in a little while yeah Look forward to it. And, uh, yeah, so, um, but let's rewind a bit. So I met you at EIT. You were uh, a darling of a student there. Your face is on the side of some buses around town and Unfortunately. stuff. Unfortunately. You're very photogenic, man. You must, <laughs> must admit this. I've heard this from an American girl that we uh, hung out with at Auckland one time at the teacup bar or whatever that place was. Uh, the old teapots. Yeah, the teapots. Um so you're at EIT, and then uh, you got chosen as the Brigado student, yep. which is this uh, exchange program that New Zealand does with uh, Italy, and you went to Italy. Yeah, cruised around Italy for five weeks, checking out the sort of major wine regions over there, seeing what they do. It was... Because that made, must have made a pretty big impact on you. A life-changing experience. Yep. I know that sounds pretty corny, and people nah, say that about international travel, but yeah, it's... It's um I was still really passionate about wine, but it just put a whole another whole another level on it. it was, yeah, to see people have done it for years, yeah. hundreds of years yeah. or whatever. And coffee, it got me into into coffee. Ah, uh, Italy yeah. will do that yeah. too, you know. And cafe. Yeah. 
it's good yeah best coffee in europe i think so in italy yeah don't tell the french that they think they have cancer. Uh, yeah it's a touchy subject that yeah one. it is it but is. no it's yeah just the to see something different in, in such a handcrafted level i guess compared to you know what we've got here where everything's mechanized and it's you know we have good coffee here though yeah we definitely have that there's no doubt but the viticulture side of it you know it's um yeah interesting to see everything done by hand over there and well they don't have a labor issue yeah like we do yeah <laughs> try not to say that too loud yeah. <laughs> but i think our borders are pretty easy being you know in the middle of the pacific ocean yeah um and then you worked in france a bit too yeah so finished off um my voice went pretty high there when i asked you that question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Finished the four-year double degree and then um, went traveling for two years doing vintage chasing, really. Yeah. Went Western Australia, went to um, France, Northern Rhone Valley, um, worked for a producer called Stefan Montez. Um, what did they produce? Uh, Condrieu, so Viognier, mm-hmm. uh, Saint-Joseph, which is Massan Roussan and Syrah and Cote which is like... Is that a bit of Grenache in it or something? Or? Uh, that's a hundred percent Syrah, or a little bit of Viognier if it's planted in the oh, plot. Yeah. But okay. that's sort of like the the home of Syrah. Yeah, Cote So they, um, yeah. Did you get a grasp? And I, I know in Italy we're kind of just pushing through and on a pretty regimented tour. But in France, did you? get a sense of uh some of the restriction they have there oh yeah <laughs> it was it was cool it was stayed there for um five and a half months the first year and then um the second year i'd sort of planned to go to the states or something but i had such a good time I ended up going back there and it was awesome to see like the the vintage variation and actually see those wines develop over a period of a year and yeah no that's important. and then going back there last year it's kind of uh, what no, happened to me with California. Yeah. It's like I went there and I was like, I'm going to go back. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, seeing, uh, sorry, earlier this year, going back and seeing them again, like it's, yeah, it's an amazing place. That Did just, you go there for your honeymoon or something? Or what? Yeah, yeah. I shot over there for a wedding, for a winemaker wedding for a Graham Bot. Of course you did. <laughs> As you do, you know, skipping around the planet. But yeah. Uh, um, and then what was Western Australia like? Because I always hear good things. It was, it was awesome. Which winery were you out there? Uh, Willow Bridge Estate. So we weren't actually in Margaret River. We're just uh, outside of a, it's, I think, the second largest city in WA um, mm-hmm. called Bunbury. And, Bunbury, and a, mate. Bunbury. Yeah. And it's uh, in a little pocket called the Ferguson Valley, um, specializing in um, Syrah, um, Cab Sav, Merlot, Cab Franc, um, yeah, Chardonnay. Jenny, um, Jenny Dobson was a winemaker out in Western Australia and I had some great wines from there and they were a cooler, much cooler region where she was. Um, she wasn't down south? Uh, like she, was, she was inland and it was, uh, yeah, I might even look it up in a second. She was inland and, it, and they did Bordeaux varietals but it tasted almost more like Hawke's Bay. Margaret River? Uh, no, it was outside oh, of Margaret oh. River. It was... Uh, I'll think of it in a second, or I might even look it up. Maybe I will look it up, and you just keep keep telling me about it. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, uh, so we were probably a little up in the hill range where we were. It's probably a little bit hotter than, than say, Margaret River, um, and everything growing more on um, hillside as opposed to 
a little bit more flat towards Margaret, but uh, beautiful place, amazing weather. And like you think it gets hot here, like oh man, you can absolutely roast in the sun over there. It's crazy. Franklin Estate, she was at. Have you ever had their wines? No. Yeah, so I think they're kind of out on their own and maybe the town of Franklin. I think it's like yep. there's a town called Franklin and said there wasn't much out there, but they had just gorgeous wines. I mean, I've tasted old vintages. We did vertical at her house one time and they were just amazing stuff. And But even still, and we opened a bottle of Kunwara Cabernet <laughs> bite the, uh, last week at a buddy of mine was over from Sydney and he, he, uh, he brought us some some Aussie cab, which was good. It was pretty intense and jammy and Did juicy. Did they grow that there? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and it's cool. Sometimes it's I love having, you know, that different style of wine and uh, and putting it in perspective, but there's definitely some gum trees over there. Yeah, the uh, eucalypt comes through. The eucalypt comes through, and it's ripe as they are. There's this, like, mintiness yep. to all the wines there. And... Uh, that's usually in a blind tasting how I can pull out Aussie Reds pretty quick from California, for instance. Um, or even if they're a cool climate, like in parts of Western Australia, you might think, oh, that might be a Hawks Bay Red because you reckon it's a new world. And yeah. then you're like, mm, there's a little eucalyptus yeah. there. <laughs> I don't think so. Whereas Hawks Bay, you might just get a little green, you know, yeah. little herbs. But um, So that's cool. And then you sort of settle back into the family business. Yeah. So after vintage hopping, um, came back and he jumped in the vineyard, started off as assistant vineyard manager and worked my way up to manager. Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting to the two and a half years. Yeah. 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 I bet you're learning on the fly quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It was a a real eye opener. I've, I've always been mad keen on winemaking, but it's, it's so good to be outdoors. Be amongst the vines. It's on a tractor quite a bit. Uh no, I've I've managed to delegate that. Ah, so nice, I, nice, yeah, nice, nice, nice. Actually, get out and monitor and yeah, see them go. That's it's yeah, really yeah. nice. You're probably more worrying about uh, how much it costs to fix things and uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It's um it, oh it's yeah an interesting interesting side of it. Sort of getting into the um the cost structure and business side of it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's um it's nice sort of lends itself well to sort of getting ready for doing our own thing in the future so yeah yeah, yeah doing the matt fox project yeah. yeah yeah so that's going to be kind of family the family brand if you will or uh is no. or is that just your own little project yeah right just here? strictly my own but then little project is there a family brand that... uh no not at the moment but i guess there's potential in the future yeah. that um yeah we'd probably like to move that way how is it for winery space up there with the amount of fruit there that even just for your place example if you said oh well we want to start making some wines but you know what do you would you build your own winery or what um we've got um the dw bryant company is a shareholder of um uh, another company called gisvin it's a processing facility sort mm-hmm. of like uh what you've got here in uh, hawks bay Lynx road okay yeah yeah so there's always there's always that um for a processing facility on a larger scale or um, on a smaller scale, there's um, EIT in Gisborne that have a, a fully functional commercial winery there. Oh, okay. Um, and you can... For doing smaller batch stuff. Or there's a few other companies. So that, what was that school used to be called? It was like... Tarafiti Polytechnic. It's, it's been taken over. Yeah. Yeah. 
but no, it's it's nothing like the the EIT winery here in Hawke's Bay. It smashes the Hawke's Bay one. Oh, good. Yeah, that's pretty small over here. And why it has like actual real pumps and big tanks and everything? Yeah, um, we've got a real neat little. Um, is it thirty hectolitre? No, well, three ton, three or four ton uh, vacuum press. Um, tube and tube heat exchangers, tanks with cooling jackets, a barrel room. They've got they got everything. Shit. Real nice stuff. Make sure we're uh, plugged in here. I don't want to lose power on us halfway through the interview <laughs> before we forget to save. But yeah, then there's a couple of other companies like um, uh, called Salander Sellers, and that's owned by the the Thorpe family, um, brother of Jeff. Oh, okay. From Riverside. So he's got his uh, his uh. Well, I guess with the family business, not exactly him, but yeah, they, he he's got some options out there for himself. Oh, oh yeah, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of um a lot of options for um places to make wine. Um, a few little wineries that'll always welcome a bit of contract work, so that's good. Hey, I'm just gonna pause for a second. Yeah, no so. drama. So a quick pause uh, allow for us to switch coffee to Chenin Blanc. <clears throat> Pinot Blanc. Pinot Blanc, sorry. Oh yeah, so it's, uh, that's interesting. So this is uh, Pyramid Valley Vineyards, which I, one of these days I'm going to set up a podcast with Kane Thompson, who I've been talking to about doing it. I just, when I reached out to him, originally he said, hey, uh, I've got something in the works, an announcement, so I don't think right now is the best time to do it. And then like two weeks later, he announced he was uh, moving down to Pyramid Valley, which uh, talk about a place that's doing some very interesting things. Yeah. They're doing uh, a lot of unfiltered biodynamic wines, uh, orange wines, uh, a lot of different brands from different vineyards. Yeah. And like some really cool, like burgundy style vineyards and stuff as well from what I've heard. And um yeah, I mean, I would just say overall, very natural wines. I mean, they're uh, certainly interesting, and I love the idea that somebody's pushing boundaries like they are, uh, particularly down in Marlboro, which, you know, it, it, the, the, I, I won't diss Marlboro. A lot of people will, but I won't. I think they paved the way for the rest of the industry, but it can be a bit monotonous, and uh, what's good to see is, uh, their Pinots are just really gorgeous. And, and I think Marlboro Pinot is something that's going to come along, keeps coming along strong in the, yeah. down the road. So I think the wa- the wineries in Wipro, I think. Oh, is it? Cause so they, got... But they do have Marlboro vineyards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Now that you mention it, actually, I think the Wipro Pinot is the one that, you know, somebody just reviewed is, if there's a better Pinot Noir in New Zealand, I haven't tasted it. You know, somebody from like, you know, one of the big magazines, international. I don't think it was Robert Parker, but it was somebody of that importance. So uh, they're certainly got the hype around them too. Yep. And uh, yeah, I see them all over the U.S. And uh, yeah, it's a great place. And Kane is now, who used to be the viticulturist at Mission, is now the CEO or something yeah, like that. Yeah, CEO, director or something, yeah. something like that. And his wife's the viticulturist. Yeah, so young talk about some young guns doing it yeah yeah that's pretty cool living the dream um yeah so we were in western australia last uh we stopped and then you uh came back home to start the family uh project and yeah 
and you're running around yeah. chas- chasing harvesters and yeah whatnot. chasing harvesters and workers and yeah doing that and um my wife and i are leasing a little block as well oh, um, cool. doing trying to give that a bit of a go and what's selling that what varietal is that uh viognier and pinot gris Mm-hmm. So this is where our Viognier conversation had yep. started when I got you on the phone yeah. a couple months back or a month or so ago when I said, yeah, I got some Viognier. And you said, me too. Yeah. <laughs> what do we do with this stuff? Um, no, I think uh, that's part of the adventure to it is in the beginning, I was kind of shopping around to see if, you know, one of the online stores or somebody would hop onto it and they all kind of had the same response that it was pretty austere and it, you know they were probably looking for something simple and sweet yeah. maybe and that's when you just take the dive and say fuck it i'll find a way to pay yeah. for it to get bottled and i'll 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 make it and i'll sell it myself and uh that's really where you gotta get out and hustle and do it and uh you make more money down the road but you put a lot more effort in oh yeah so you're basically at that stage yourself yep so you're going to bottle some 2014 Viognier? Uh, I've only got 2013 and it's in bottle now. Um, mm. But discontinued the, the Viognier mm. just from uh, partway through. Uh, making it sort of came home with a, a huge amount of enthusiasm from being in Northern Rhone. And yeah, make Viognier. And then um, and then partway through, that's when everyone um, or a lot of winemakers said... Uh, Maybe, maybe pull back just a little bit. It's, it's, it's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. So. Oh, I think, you know, when you, um, when you get those challenges like that, though, the important thing, uh, particularly in making some weird wines, is to have some export market for it. And that's a real tough thing. Where yeah. that, that was the, kind of the final decision where I was like, I know there's at least a few people in the States and a few markets I could get this in. That we could at least get it out if i didn't have that trying to sell it in new zealand is a real tough go yeah you know you're hand selling every bottle yeah you know <laughs> that's a lot of bottles to yeah. try to sell so unless you're selling marlborough sable yeah then somebody uh will take it on maybe and uh you know but it's a even you know there's guys who you know, i think the guy at vintage does a good job um of trying different things and putting it out there but even you know he'd be honest and say uh, you know it's got to be at a ridiculous price and and a brand that's already established yep. to say you know like tomatas viognier they do that zara viognier or whatever and he said that's even tough you know everybody so um but that's our challenge i guess yeah. is to get people excited about uh different varietals and say well, we don't make Chardonnay like the guy up the road. We make this other varietal. Yeah. And, uh, and I think what's going to make it easier to sell probably is if you do have a genuine passion for it. It's it's, it's infectious. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty hard to try and turn people when mm. you're just kind of just trying to do it to do it. You yeah. Know, rather yeah. than like sho- showing some heart and soul in it. Yeah, we, uh, we've definitely got plenty of that going around with, like I said, our little group and uh, even a little desperation can help as well. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so now you're settled in Gizzy and you've got plenty to do for a while. So the, the certainly for the, the short near future, yeah, you're going to be pretty darn busy with, with what you, all your projects you have going on. Yeah. So yeah, the vineyard management and, uh, 
probably the wine making are the two big big things at the moment. So what, uh, when are you going to be able to get down here for a New Guard meeting or a tasting <laughs> yeah. or something? Well, yeah, like I was, I was sort of, yeah. Like I say, every time I've gone to come down here, I've cleared my diary and tried to put as minimal amount on a Thursday so mm-hmm. I can, and a Friday morning so I can get down here and then... Yeah, I'm just warning you, you better take that Friday morning yeah. uh, to drive home because you're not going to drive home afterward. No. There's just too much good conversation and interesting wines and... Uh, I, I talk about something that's infectious is, you know, we had a few people show up that didn't know what to expect on the first one. And, uh, you know, there was some clear goals and some things that I try to drive home and talk about, but even just getting together and geeking out and talking about this technique or using and this thing and what this guy, you know, there's no real place to do that no. in a kind oh. of private setting, you know, trust me, that's what I'm craving. Yeah. You need, you want to just bounce ideas off and, you know, it's good even just for morale to go back to your job the next day to be like, well, these guys are going through the same thing I am. Yeah. And, uh, or to think about your own project and say, oh, that was a pretty good idea he had, or to feel some encouragement, you know, and, uh, hopefully it could turn into even more where we're networking and finding, yeah. you know, we've already done a little of that, you know, where we can find sales and things like that. So, um, I'm sure, you know, some millionaire down the road is going to infect our group and uh, start buying us up, Matt, any day now, you know, you know, all the dot-comers come <laughs> in and suck the life and passion out of us, you know, <laughs> hopefully not, but uh, hopefully there is some investment. There. Yeah, I wouldn't say no to a couple of million dollars. Yeah, no, it'd be pretty tough to at this stage, so, um, yeah, that's what they say, until you get that fuck you money, which yeah. is do whatever I want to do, which... <laughs> Uh, I met Nick Novolo up in, at, a, at uh, this food and wine school event up in Auckland in September, and uh, clearly the winery that he built for Vin Optima is a bit of fuck you money. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, I'm going to do whatever I want with yeah. this place, so uh, someday. But, you know, that guy is pretty much a legend for uh, for New Zealand and, and, you know, techniques and everything. I think he claimed at this dinner we were at that he was the first one to make true barrel fermented Chardonnay and, like, Everybody thought it was like in the late seventies. He's like, I was the first, nineteen seventy two or whatever it was. <laughs> and he's a great guy. He was really cool. Because I was telling him about our little young winemakers group, and he said, uh, he goes, yeah, I have a young winemakers group I meet with. It's me and George Fiskovich <laughs> and Bob Campbell, and he started naming all these guys like in their sixties and seventies. And I was like, sweet dude, <laughs> that's great. He's a character, and his wife was really nice too. But so I think there is that older generation that. Uh, you know, is supportive and, and everything like that. So I think in the beginning, you know, we're going to have some people like, what are these guys doing? You know, who do they think they are? You know, I, the new guard thing is pretty funny because it sounds pretty cocky. You know, it's like, we're the new guard coming to take in. And we just kind of said it in jest. Like, uh, we just had to give it a name. Like, Hey, this is what we're going to call this little group. And then the, uh, the first publication with the Hawks Bay wine growers came out and I'm like, okay, I guess that's what it's called. And it's uh, perfectly. I think. Yeah, it's pretty good. And, uh, I hope it does piss some people off. That's the idea is, you know, yeah, well, people need to sit up and notice. Yeah. Well, one of the other things about it is it's pretty conservative around these parts and probably up in Gisborne too, I would imagine. Yep. Um, with the exception of maybe James and a couple other people that are pushing the envelope and, um, 
you know, I think James thrives on that reputation. Yeah. You know? gotta, you gotta provoke thought. You gotta challenge the Absolutely. status quo. And yeah. So we're, I think we're, we're trying to do that uh, a little bit with what resources and people we have. But again, the main thing is that we're, uh, I feel like now it's just like an interview with me, you know, <laughs> that's why I invited you down, Matt. So, you know, yeah. I could just tell you everything about our, our group and everything. Um, no, this is good. N- Pe- people uh, getting to know what's happening. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, I'm sure now that I've got Matt Fox on my in my uh, on my website that you know my my hits and everything my through the roof my shares my likes on Facebook yeah. everything like that's gonna go through the roof. So. Which, by the way, I need a really you know one of those great photogenic Matt Fox pictures to put up on the website. You know, Kinda. doing something provocative. Hopefully, no drama. Uh, yeah, it sounds good. Where do I send the invoice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm a part-time model now as well. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, nice Kiwi <laughs> reference there. Mm. So, we better get over to uh, Paratua and uh, taste some wines over there. Is there anything, you know, you should plug your brand a little bit if you think in the in the future it's going to be, you know, people will listen to this interview for decades to come, so... They want to know where to find anything and where to find you and if they're in Gizzy, what they should do. So this yeah, is your, sure. your first um, mini platform for this, you know. Uh, cheers. Um, so, yeah, uh, look out for early next year. Uh, Matt Fox Wines. Mm-hmm. Really original name. No, but that's easy to say and easy to remember. I dig it, dude. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, so we're just looking at uh, more premium wines. One white, one red, mm-hmm. Chardonnay and Syrah. Um, and yeah, if you're ever in Gizzy, um, look me up, um, at either DW Bryant Vineyard or, uh, email me matt at feo.co.nz. F-E-O? V-O. F-V-O. Fox Viticulture and Onology oh, Consultants. okay. All right. Or obviously you can, um, reach out to the podcast on the, on the site and, uh, Email me at wineisfood at gmail.com. I think that's the email I use for this. I, but anyway, that'll get to me, and we'll, we'll dig Matt up for you if you're going, cruising through Gisborne and you want some good vineyards to check out. Uh, and yeah, man, good luck. Cheers. Cheers, mate. We'll, we'll uh, look forward to drinking some Matt Fox wines. <laughs>